This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. He is an actor, a comedian, a master improviser, and many other things. It's Craig Kakowski. I like all those nouns. <laughs> you like my nouns. I will sign off on those nouns. <laughs> You'll sign off on those nouns. Sometimes I say no to comedian. Oh, really? I'm I'm a comedian in the sense that I'm not a tragedian. <laughs> <laughs> that is you a know? great definition. Like I usually say actor and improviser, podcaster as, as well. I think the word comedian sometimes uh, puts people in mind of stand-up, yeah. which I'm decidedly not. Okay. Um, though, I'm, I mean, I'm funny for a living, so yeah. I think I get get it. Uh, I will gladly own the word comedian, but I just want to clarify yeah. exactly what that means. Not a trage- tragedian. Okay, not a tragedian. <laughs> so if I came to you and said, I am putting on a production of Macbeth, mm-hmm. will you please play Macbeth? Would you say, sure, I'm an actor. <laughs> yeah, I'll be the drunken gatesman, right? <laughs> oh yeah, the porter? <laughs> yeah, the yes. porter, right? Yes. That's the comedy part. I have played the porter, yes. <laughs> have you really? <laughs> yes. That's played amazing. the porter in a very weird production of Macbeth uh, that included a soundtrack by Metallica, and I was murdered by a local teen in the final battle. Love it. As I'm, the porter. I'm yes. all in for, the, for that production. <laughs> but you, but luckily, we're not in a theater right now because we've said Macbeth a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. I say it in my apartment three times a day at least. Yeah, I don't care. Bring it on, Macbeth. But do you see yourself as, you really do see yourself as an actor first, an actor who is good at comedy? Yeah, I think so. And I did do Shakespeare as well. Like in college, I was a theater major. I was a terrible actor, by the way. (laughs) It it was only after I did years of improv that I actually got better at the basics of acting, which is just listening and reacting. Yeah. Uh, And I do occasionally go out for more dramatic stuff. I went out for The Conjuring 3 recently, and the casting director was like, that's way too funny. That's way too funny for The Conjuring. (laughs) (laughs) I really was not trying to be funny. Oh, no. But there's always something in the back of my mind of like, if they're bringing me in for this, they must want it to be a little funny. Yeah, yeah. So did you attempt to, for The Conjuring, ask yourself, how can I dial down the comedy? (laughs) How can I I be less funny for The Conjuring? But part of the trouble is I have such an expressive face, you know. Yeah. I, I think it's, again, that's the downside of doing years and years of stage comedy meaning that uh, I, for camera, I tend to overreact to, to everything. So something that I thought was relatively subdued was reading as cartoonish, oh, probably. Yes. Could you yeah. just make your eyes a little smaller? Because they're exploding, coming out of your head. But I'll go out for like uh, hour-long procedurals occasionally. Okay. And just try to be as boring and straightforward <laughs> as possible for those. I feel really constrained doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're doing improv or acting, you're... You are always approaching it is a kind of the standard sort of who who am I? What do I want? You know, what are my relationships in the scene kind of stuff? Not where's the big joke? Yeah, I I think this is always a point of tension in the improv world. Certainly there's some schools that are more comedy forward. Yeah. uh, I, I come from the Chicago style, specifically improv Olympic was where the bulk of my training was. And, you know, Del Close was my teacher and he was always very averse to, to jokes. You know, the word joke uh, has a bad name in the Chicago (laughs) improv world. 
Um, so I, I often say to my students, because I do teach improv as well, like comedy is a byproduct of doing improv right. If you do improv right, it'll often result in comedy. Yeah. <laughs> if you strive for comedy, you will swing and miss more often than you connect. Yeah. And also the audience can see that desperation of trying for something on every line. You know, I, I think if you can create characters that the audience are invested in and trust that the basic mechanics of improv will lead you naturally to good organic laughs. Yeah. And that's, it's hard to trust that particularly when you're early on in your development, you know, yeah. students don't trust that. And so they panic and uh, they go for a lot of surfacey things for instant results. Whereas I think veteran improvisers are willing to go a couple minutes without a laugh, trusting that it's coming. Yeah. You know, I'd rather get three minutes without a laugh followed by, a humongous laugh <laughs> and a round of applause. Right, you know? right. I Rather than like, a fart joke that didn't land. Yeah. Exactly. Because the audience can see that desperation <laughs> and they know how hard you're working there. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting uh, to me. I've certainly panicked in my uh, in my improv uh, career. And yeah, it, it doesn't feel good. But yeah. to me, is like uh, loving comedy theory. I love that uh, improv comedy to me can come from just the natural relationships of, you know, it's, it is funny that this person has this perspective and this other person has this different perspective you get natural contrast there but that I, the thing to me that happens totally uniquely in improv is the contrast between the expectation and the surprise and the mm. audience sharing that with the performers of yes. we all thought this was a scene at a bakery but now we all together realize it's a funeral and yeah, that and contrast that you can't get anywhere else really that communal feeling of that's why to me at its best, it works best in a theater with a live audience. Yeah. And improvisers are always trying to figure out how can we get this on TV? Because anything we like needs to be on TV, you know? And uh, yeah, I I think improvisers should be on TV. I think improv should be a writing tool for, for TV. Uh, And I think there's probably an effective way of using it that I haven't seen (laughs) yet (laughs) or discovered the, the million dollar solution. Yeah. But uh, that to me, the type of, that I like to do is best in a, uh, a theater setting where the audience is really just as much of a collaborator as the performers yeah. in, in some way. Yeah, and the, the beauty of the happy accidents, right? Yeah. And I think cleverness and wit are such a small percentage of the actual laughs that you will earn. And I think it's the opposite <laughs> of what the audience expects. You know, right. they expect that people are going for cleverness and wit every second. But really, it's skills that you can actually drill and do right every time, which is like good listening, specificity, being in the moment, connecting, you know, all those things that you can drill in rehearsal and get right. And they will lead to laughs. You yeah. Know, specifics make the audience laugh regardless of whether that thing is inherently funny or not. You know? Right. Right, right. It, it goes from ambiguity into focus. And I, I think for some reason that jars the audience into laughing. You know, j- just as you said of like uh, you, they thought it was one thing, but suddenly their mind has to now grasp the the real who, what, where that's unfolded organically right. in the scene, you know, and uh, that for some reason makes people laugh. Yeah, yeah. And I, that's a fascinating thing about comedy to just be like, okay, is this per- this person's really obsessed with showing somebody a movie versus this person thinks their girlfriend has to see Saving Private Ryan, yeah. right? As soon as you get that specificity, <laughs> yes. it's just like that opens up who the human might be. Exactly. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Uh, we could do a whole uh, episode about teaching and improv and comedy, but we are here to talk. I'm not obsessed with that. <laughs> At all. Well, that is an interesting thing. When I asked you for your obsessions, is there a reason that you didn't offer this, the parts of your life that are certainly uh, important to you but are professional? 
I think maybe because I've talked about improv on so many podcasts <laughs> at this point, you know, that's not as interesting to me. You know, my wife, Carla, has a uh, improv podcast called Improv Yak, where she discusses theory yeah. and, and technique. And uh, I, I've been guest on many times. So I feel like that's done. You know? Yeah, okay. And I feel like I also might go for kind of canned responses sometimes. <laughs> just because, you know, there there's theory stuff that I tell my classes all the time that yeah. I have well worked out in my head. You right. Know? So you didn't want to be yeah. like, let's whip out the syllabus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not out of laziness so much as like I already know how to express this. Got know? it. Got it. I mean, I was honored to be asked to be on the podcast, but I also when thinking about obsessions was like I'm I mean, I'm very into music, I'm very into movies, but for instance, like my favorite band is the Beatles. Okay. Uh best band ever. I I know I have most of their work, you know, have all of their legitimate albums and, yeah. you know, bootleg stuff as well. Uh, I know more about the Beatles than, you know, 0.001% of people on earth. But yeah. that 0.001% knows way much more the, about the Beatles and cares way much more about the Beatles than I ever will. You yeah. Know? And I think my movie fandoms are similar. Like, you know, I was born in 69, so Star Wars, yeah. you know, was a pivotal moment in my life. And uh, I but I don't think about Star Wars or know about Star Wars, <laughs> you know, to uh, to any obsession. But I, I think uh, after I thought about it, uh, it was crossword puzzles. Crossword puzzles. <laughs> this is so great. So let's d- dive into it. Did puzzles and crossword puzzles in specific come into your life at an early age or when did they uh, come into your life? Well, I, I brought you a copy of uh, Games World of Puzzles, which is a magazine that I, I believe is published eight times a year that okay. I have a subscription to. And it's it's a hybrid of two different magazines, Games Magazines and World of Puzzles Magazines, surprisingly <laughs> enough. Yeah, I thought for a moment that it was uh, a, a person named Games who nope. was publishing <laughs> World of Puzzles. Yeah. Jeremiah Games. <laughs> yeah. Or Games. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Games Magazine, I think, has been out since the mid to late 70s. Okay. And uh, I had a subscription as a child. So wow. uh, I think probably when I was around 10 years old, my parents got me a subscription. And uh, I believe it was usually like an annual gift from my friend Toby and his parents would always re-up my subscription to Aww. games. So I, I probably had a subscription from like 1979 to 85. And okay. Then, as maybe as high school got more serious or whatever, I somehow let the subscription lapse. Uh, <laughs> Come on, to, Toby. To games. Yeah, I blame Toby for that. Yeah. So when you, obviously you liked it. You you started playing through all the games. Yeah. Was that a part of your family? Was the rest of your family have that kind of specific puzzle analytical brain? Or were you the, the odd duck? I, I think so. My parents still do uh, crossword puzzles to this day. I don't think they're nearly as into it as I am. And I, I don't think they do the New York Times necessarily. Okay. They, uh, this is suburban D.C. So, you know, they'll do the puzzles in the Washington Post. Okay. They'll do the, the jumble. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah. jumble is that little cartoon square where you got to jumble, uh, unscramble five words. And, okay. You know, fill in uh, those uh Circles to get a, a funny quote. Okay, okay. So you you get a reward for your you jumble get a, work. Little reward. Yeah. <laughs> so they'll do those puzzles. Um, yeah. I, I in addition to Games Magazine, I always did the puzzles in the Post. As okay. Well, but I think I would often, you know, as a kid or as a teen, like I would often leave them half blank. You know, I'd work them to a point. You know, I, I wasn't good at it. Okay. Yet. Okay. Uh, as a kid, when you were doing them, how much of it was skills that you could learn versus just 
as a kid, you do or don't know who was, you know, Lincoln's vice president or whatever, like just exactly. information. Yeah. Uh, trivia, I, I think this is something that's somewhat controversial in the crossword puzzle world of like, <laughs> how much should trivia be a factor? Yeah. And there's something about fair crosses as well, because every word crosses another word, uh, thus the name of the puzzle. <laughs> um, so you sh- every square, you know, is checked against two words. So yeah. you don't want to have two intersecting squares that are both trivial questions. Right. Like an obscure name from history intersecting another obscure name from history, because that square is not inferable. Ooh, okay. Uh, so it's okay, particularly in a, in a challenging puzzle, to use a really obscure your name if you have some easier crosses on the other words there that that's what's considered fair game okay in in the world um i i mean we can get into trivia as well because uh, that's another obsession uh, <laughs> you know, uh, i was always accused uh by my family of reading trivial pursuit cards which uh you know, full disclosure, I did. Uh, <laughs> not, not really. I didn't think of it as cheating so much as like, I just want to learn. You know? What? It's homework. I'm studying. It's homework. Yeah. yeah. I would get the World Almanac every year. So even as a kid, I would have, I had a great mind for, for facts. But okay. Yeah. Even to this day, there's going to be something in a puzzle where there's going to be something trivial. It's like, I just don't know that. I've never come across yeah. the, the answer to that. But Crossword puzzles, you begin to acquire words that are only ever seen in crossword puzzles. <laughs> you know? Right. And so you you learn from your mistakes. You learn from, you know, checking the key the next day of like, <laughs> oh, I was wrong on that. It's esne is the word. Uh, E-S-N-E, by the way. Okay. Which is like a medieval surf. Okay. Um, that's just one of those. It's a very common grouping of letters, E-S-N-E. So you can imagine a crossword constructor would have to use that word <laughs> a lot. Yet yeah. nobody would ever use it in uh, common parlance uh, yeah. today. So I think there's a lot of words like that that a veteran crossword solver can fill in almost instantly. Because okay. you know from the clue of like, it's this obscure word that you only ever see in crossword puzzles. Yeah. So you learn a lot of skills that can help overcome the lack of, of trivia. Yeah, skill seems extreme, but <laughs> I'll but, go yeah. for it. So, when your subscription lapsed, did you did A you mi- day. did you <laughs> God damn it, Toby? Did you uh, did you miss it? Why did you when when and where did you come back to it? Well, I th- I think I did a fair amount in college as well. Um, but I think it was in my early days in Chicago. So I graduated college in 91, moved to Chicago after that. And I waited tables for a few years. And in particular, I waited tables at, uh, I worked the breakfast shift at a diner. And people would often leave their their <laughs> newspapers there. So uh, Chicago, you had Chicago Tribune and Chicago Sun-Times. I believe the Trib at the time was 50 cents. Okay. The Sun-Times was 35 cents. Uh, I I suppose I could have afforded it. I was so poor at the time. But, you know, when you see a free paper, when somebody leaves a free paper for you and yeah. you know that there's a pristine crossword in there just waiting to be filled out. So I, I feel like that's when I started to get good at it was the, the early 90s. Okay. For me. Uh, because the Sun-Times, I believe, had the New York Times crossword, which is considered the, the pinnacle okay. of, uh, of the puzzle. So did you have a sense of pride then about, like, I want to shoot for the New York Times because I want to be good at this, like a self-challenging Yes. Okay. I wanted to be good at the uh, at the hardest ones. Yeah, and I think that's around when I learned that 
the newspaper tradition is that the crossword gets progressively harder throughout the week. Oh, okay. I.e. Monday is the easiest puzzle. Okay. Saturday is the most difficult puzzle. Sunday is not necessarily the most difficult, but it's usually an oversized uh, puzzle that takes you twice as long. So it's okay. usually a larger grid on on Sunday. So tougher in that regard, though the cluing okay. uh, is not as tough as it will be on Friday or Saturday. And the paper doesn't fill you in on that. You have to figure that out through cultural osmosis or just through cultural personal? osmosis. <laughs> yeah, I think somebody must have informed me of, of that, or I just kind of discovered it on my own of like, hey, I'm, I'm really crushing Monday and Tuesday. <laughs> you know? and then you're but like, I could not get this Saturday puzzle going at all. Oh, okay. So we're going to talk more about crossword puzzles, but just to get the overview. Is it really just crossword puzzles, or is it? Does that extend to like jigsaw puzzles, escape rooms, the general mm. uh, just idea of figuring things out, or is it? I want to put the letters in the boxes. It's mostly put the letters in the boxes, though. If we look at this Games World of Puzzles yeah. magazine, there's all kinds of puzzles in there. Uh, here's one: a code crossword is <laughs> uh, is something I like, which is uh, there's a letter. Uh, every letter in the alphabet corresponds to a particular number. Okay. And you have to f- crack the code uh, and figure out what words to put where. Uh, logic puzzles. You ever do okay. logic puzzles? Uh, like, I the... tried, but I've never been good at them. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing of like, uh, uh, Jimmy has five regular customers at the deli. <laughs> Angela, Barry, Corey, Denise, <laughs> and Evangeline. Each of them orders a different type of bagel every day. And then they'll give you clues of like, Evangeline doesn't like everything bagels. <laughs> but she does. But the person who put locks on their bagels is male. So you've got to figure out okay. you know, who orders what bagel, what their gender <laughs> is, what their last name is. Uh, I love logic puzzles. Okay. Um, so that that's why I like Games World of Puzzles because it, it has lots of different things. And the quote acrostic is another one that I like. And what is the quote acrostic? The quote acrostic. Let's find this month's. Uh, this is something. Oh, they call it the double cross here. It's on page 51. Okay. Uh, I bought... Joseph, a, uh, a pristine copy of Games for the Puzzles. So this is so great. Solve. Double uh, cross. So the, the double cross, you've got uh, a bunch of different uh, answers to these. You know, uh, A is easy. Red Baron's foe, it's seven letters. Right. Snoopy. So you fill in Snoopy. And then there's a grid above where each number corresponds to something in the grid. So the S in Snoopy is number 186. So you go up to the grid, you fill in the S under 186. Uh, and you do that uh, to reveal a quote. <laughs> so I like this kind of puzzle because you can work back and forth. First, you go through the clues, and I'm going to know. Oh, device heard in Sticks' Mr. Roboto, of course, is a vocoder. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely age dependent. That right? is age you, you dependent. generational. Nobody like, knows what a vocoder is to these well, days. Uh, well, in Sticks is Mr. Roboto. Maybe if you're super into like <laughs> online irony, you would know that. Sure. But. The kids these days aren't rocking out to Mr. Roboto. <laughs> Don't nobody got to Mr. Roboto. Um, famous last words et tu brute. So some of these yeah. you can get right away. Others you're gonna be like, I have no idea uh, what that is. So then you got to work back and forth. So you start to fill in things in the quote, and then you start to notice, oh, this looks like the word handwritten. So I fill in the other letters. Then I fill the letters in down below. So then you start to get the the words down below, and you can keep working back and forth. Okay, so, so is this considered then like a crossword with a little bit of help? Because, like, for example, if you don't know Mr. Roboto, but you do know a video game system released in 2017... <laughs> 
that in theory, yes. like it would bridge that knowledge gap a little bit. Yeah. I think uh, something that it inv- that has a wider range of knowledge um, that's not going to hit just a particular demographic group. <laughs> However, I, I think I might be in the sweet spot for this particular magazine <laughs> because I believe they're, most of their constructors are older and male. Okay. You know, and uh, I actually read a blog on the New York Times crossword by this gentleman named Rex Parker, who I think is very popular in the crossword world. <laughs> um, and he breaks down every day the New York Times crossword and Usually very critically, you know, okay. he's very snarky and takes them to task <laughs> and he'll always, Will Shorts is the editor of the New York Times crossword, okay. uh, who for many years was the editor of Games Magazine. Okay. And he also runs the crossword tournament in Stamford, Connecticut every year, <laughs> which was See, covered in the movie Wordplay. You know this community. Okay. <laughs> well, I'd like to be a, a bigger member of it. I've never gone to Stamford for the tournament, uh, <laughs> though, though I would like to, but uh it, it definitely skews older and, you know, uh, elite. And sometimes the references, particularly for pop culture, are more like 50s and 60s and okay. 70s, you know. Wow. And and they don't have enough female constructors uh, as well, or younger constructors. Yeah. Right? So that's something that Rex Parker is always good at critiquing. Yeah. <laughs> the New York Times. Yeah, so. that's fascinating. So you got this games magazine. You, you use the paper as well. You still do the New York Times, right? Do the New York Times online every day. So online every day. app on my phone, yeah. Okay. So how does this, when and how does this fit into your daily life? Is this an, an obsession that you make time for, or does it naturally fill in to, like, transportation or breakfast or whatever? It's really great when I'm on set in particular. So my, my show, Drunk History, are about to start shooting in three weeks, and uh, I having a a brand new games world of puzzles that I can take to set. <laughs> yeah. Because you know, you're you're there's so much downtime. Yeah. Uh where you need to distract yourself. Um the the crossword honestly is anywhere from three to fifteen minutes out of my day, depending okay. on the difficulty of the puzzle. Three minutes. Well, if it's a Monday. Okay. Um <laughs> I'll show you that the great thing about the the app is they give you your stats. Okay. So Tuesday, my average Tuesday is 558. So just under six minutes for a Tuesday puzzle. This week I did it in 424. My best is 335. And that's full uh, entire completion. Yes. Okay. So that's doing the puzzle, you know, so there is a little bit of a race against the clock uh, doing it. So I I like to challenge myself on time as well. So completing it, but doing it quickly. So right now I'm on a streak of 112 successfully solved puzzles. My longest streak is 307. Wow. Uh, my solve rate is 99.9%, meaning there was a couple days where I... The great thing about doing it online is it'll tell you if you have a letter wrong. Okay. Uh, and you can just keep trying other letters. Right. You know, uh, and and the, before it credits you with finishing the puzzle in the uh, correct time. And do you have a moral stance on looking something up? Like if you understand what it is they're looking for, but you don't remember that name, will you Google it? Or do you feel like that is somehow cheating? That is cheating. Okay. <laughs> Full there's, stop. There's no ambiguity about that. Um, have, I, have I ever cheated? Yes, I have. <laughs> but is it definitely cheating? It definitely is cheating. <laughs> do you, so when you look at those stats, like... Uh, I don't. I'm not going to presume that in your 307 day streak you cheated. But <laughs> do you do you feel bad if you 
like what's what's the push pull between I want to complete this because I didn't know that there was apps that validated you that yeah. <laughs> that showed you on a bar and a graph how well you did, which for me would up that desire to I know I know this and I just forgot what's the harm in googling it. Yeah, I th- I think as a veteran solver, you know, <laughs> it's uh, not only would I feel dirty for cheating, like uh, I would be angry at myself because you should be able to to figure out what the what the letter is. Yeah. You know? And that's why I like going through Rex's blog after I've solved the puzzle to see if he was annoyed by the same things I was annoyed by. You know, uh, he often is. He's often annoyed with uh, twice as much as, twice as much. I was, you know, um, that that square that you can't infer that's, you know, two unfair crosses is called a natic. Oh, by the a way. natic. Yeah, okay. Because apparently natic is a small town, maybe in Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, some constructor years ago used Natic crossed with something else that you couldn't figure out. And then Rex called it that. And ever since then, you know, now all of his followers have picked up on a, a Natic square. <laughs> so he'll, he'll call that out. The other thing that's lazy constructing is a lot of uh, acronyms or abbreviations, you know, things that aren't quite words, but you kind of need them to fill out your grid yeah, uh, a little bit. So some of those can get a little obscure and, and unfair. But, you know, 99% of the time, uh, if you've solved enough puzzles, you should be able to figure out what, what word they're looking yeah. for. Yeah. Do you ever get pissed because something is overused? Are you like, oh, Connecticut? Of course. I know it's Connecticut. Get off my back. I've been doing Connecticut since I was 12 years old. Like, Yeah, I, I think. Uh, let me just look through today's puzzle and see if there's anything in particular that they use a lot. Well, Frank Nitty comes up a lot. <laughs> really? <laughs> Al Capone's henchman, Frank Nitty? Yeah, from yeah. the Untouchables, yeah. You, you've you've got to just think about, like, what are letters, you know, N-I-T and I are letters that are going to show up a lot. Right, in, in compact, right? Yes. Something that can have meaning without too many words yes. is of value. So, you know, J's and X's and Q's and Z's are hard to get into grids because they need, again, to cross two words. Yeah. You know, and particularly if you've got a Q in the middle somewhere, it's going to be hard to find another word with a Q in, in the middle. So constructors tend to stick to these safer letters. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, there are a lot of, uh, oh, here's Ewok. Ewok. Is oh, nice. That's the one that I would just cling to. Like, yes. <laughs> furry murder bears. I know that one. Furry critter in Return of the Jedi. That's, there we go. Yeah, yeah, come on. That's a, that's a gimme. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So is this ultimately as you're doing it, is it challenging or peaceful? It is. (laughs) I think because I'm going against the clock, it's not as peaceful. (laughs) Fair enough. It should be. But I guess it is peaceful in the sense that I just kind of retreat into my own head for a few minutes and tune out the distractions around me. So I think it is is kind of zen. Right. In that way. You're fully engaged in something that isn't narrative, doesn't relate to the concerns of the day. Right. Uh, Like sometimes when I play a video game, it's because I want to be fully engaged like, because if I try to read right now, my mind will wander off. Yeah. But if I have this absolute active challenge, my brain will be engaged, but it won't be with any of the things yeah. that I want, you know, don't want my brain to be engaged with right now. The the thing that I kind of liken it to is uh, is shooting baskets. You know, I, uh, I'm not very good at basketball, but I've played on and off uh, my whole life. Okay. And 
one of my favorite ways to play it is just alone, you know, at a, uh, at a hoop, <laughs> nobody else is there. And it's just me shooting. And I really, that, that is a moment of Zen for me where I really am thinking about nothing. And I think solving a crossword is a, uh, is a similar thing for me. So much of it, particularly for these easier puzzles is almost on autopilot. Right. Wow. And it really is like playing a video game where you've done that screen, you know, a bunch of times before. So like so many, uh, it's almost automatic for me entering the word. And then once you get into Friday or Saturday puzzles, that's when it's challenging. And that's when, you know, you can really appreciate a good constructor who's given you a good challenge. Yeah. And you're staring at a clue for a while and just not seeing it. And it's only after you begin to uncover a few letters and suddenly this word appears before you and you're like, Oh, of course. And that is clever. Yeah. You know, when they get into some clever wordplay, uh, and again, making you, it's almost like that improv thing of seeing a word and realizing they meant another word entirely because they will use, uh, homonyms, uh, a lot, you know, that, that it seems like they're giving a clue for one thing, but it's actually a clue for another thing entirely. Yeah. Do you get to know the personalities or the traits of the constructors where you're like, well, if, (laughs) if this is a, you know, a a Stevenson who made this, you know, yeah, you do because they, they list the name of the constructor every day. Uh, the New Yorker, by the way, has puzzles, uh, crosswords now, uh, on their app, um, on Mondays and Fridays and they're quite good and they're very versed in current pop culture. Uh, Patrick Barry is considered the great, <laughs> the great current uh, crossword constructor. I think some of his work is in this game's world of puzzles. He's okay. a frequent, frequent contributor to both New York times and New Yorker. But then there's like some, uh, some younger kids on the block. Uh, Nathan last and uh, Cameron Collins. Uh, Cameron Collins is a film critic as well as a crossword constructor. Um, and so I think the New Yorker has some of the younger and hipper people okay. in there. This game's world of puzzles has some of the stodgier, older <laughs> you know, um, uh, guys that have been around. Right. For, like, for where do you go to get a malted with your best girl? It'll pop up as a, as a clue and things like that. Yes. <laughs> so can you ever, do you ever find yourself going, I know who constructed this. I know they're hipper and younger. I think that is probably a good place reference if they're asking for a sitcom rather than Cheers or that kind of hmm. thing. Does it get to that level? One thing that they're doing a lot now is like apps and, and websites, oh, yeah. you know, some of which I'll know and some of which I will not know, you know, <laughs> yeah. and current hip hop and, you know, trap music and stuff like that, you know, yeah. stuff that I just do not know. And so now, like, I'm the old fogey who has to kind of um, piece together that that answer and infer those squares, whereas, you know pop culture from the 80s or 90s you know i'm gonna fill in yeah right you're, you're you're right on there you were talking about uh basketball and about it being a zen thing to just be alone and shooting hoops yeah uh do you is crossword puzzles is that for you an alone thing or is it something where you're happy to sit and do a crossword puzzle with someone else uh i there's not an opportunity to experience it that often <laughs> though on the drunk history set last season that we shot, uh, there were a lot of people doing the New York times app, you know, and I think it's a little bit like, you know, uh, giving people solitary advice over their shoulder, yeah. you know, unless somebody is asking for help, you know, <laughs> never volunteer. I think that breaks a code. In, okay. In somebody would be like, Hey, I know what uh, seven down is, you know? <laughs> but if, uh, if you, if people want to be collaborative about it, like that's good. I, uh, 
sometimes we would, you know, have a physical one with a pen where we would pass it around. And you'd answer a few and then hand it off to, to somebody else. You okay, know? cool. That, that could be fun as well. Yeah. And for in the in the paper physically, not on your app, yeah. it, pen or pencil is one more correct than the other in your estimation? Well, pencil makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know? um, but I use pen because I'm an arrogant <laughs> you know, SOB. You know so much about the, the crossword community, which I didn't realize, of course, everything has a community. Is there a pen versus pencil? Is that like if you go into the crossword <laughs> forums, is that a fiery debate? That I don't know. I imagine that... Again, like the Stanford tournament is a goal for me, <laughs> um, and I, hopefully I'll get to do it someday. Um, I imagine that you do it in pencil there. Okay. Um, as as you can see, I filled out my entire World of Puzzles magazine in pen. Yeah. Uh, but I'll make a mistake here and there, so there's probably some scratch outs or, or yeah. whatever. I mean, this this is not being turned in. Yeah, this anyone. is not an app, so, right? This is just for me. So. <laughs> do you ever uh, a, attempt to acquire knowledge or are aware of acquiring knowledge for the benefit of crossword puzzles? I'm somebody who likes to acquire knowledge in general always, okay. you know. Um Years ago when I worked at Second City in Chicago um, for our, I think it was the 40th anniversary, it was the 40th anniversary of the theater, they had a bunch of alums back for a panel and uh, Harold Ramis was on uh, the panel and somebody asked him what he reads and he says, uh, I don't read newspapers or magazines because that's what everyone knows. I want to know what no one else knows. So I like to read obscure nonfiction about okay. esoteric subjects. You know? <laughs> that was an answer that always stuck with me, uh, especially because I idolize Harold Ramis. Um, and I, I don't I read newspapers and magazines as well, mostly online. Yeah. Now, Um I like to be as well versed about what's going on in current events as I can. It's impossible to to keep up with, and it's impossible to tune out, you know, yeah, the distractions and the fake yeah. <laughs> stuff as well. But I I try to stay on top of that. I read a lot of nonfiction uh, over the course of, of the year. Uh, I yeah, I'm always acquiring more and more information. Though I, I don't think I think about how I'm going to apply it. I just like you to, just to like know it stuff. all by itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have improv friends in Minneapolis in particular, um, Jill Bernard in particular, uh, who was always like, "Hey, when the new whatever the kids today are listening to." I go listen to it or I make sure I have a passing mm. knowledge. She did a lot of comedy sports in, yeah. in particular where just cultural knowledge was seen as sort of necessary, if not really valuable for improv. Yeah. Do you see it improv that way too, where it's valuable to have that immediate knowledge? Absolutely. Especially when I was performing at Second City, we would often get, you know, current events and pop cult, current pop culture stuff as suggestions, and you've got to know it. Yeah. Um, and we would always have the Trib and the Sun Times <laughs> and the New York Times backstage. Uh, we would sometimes do improv sets off of the newspaper. Um, I'm definitely not as, that was about 20 years ago. Okay. That was probably the peak of how well-versed <laughs> I am about what's going on now. Yeah. You know? Uh, now pop culture is so splintered, you can't possibly catch up with all of it. I finally let my subscription to uh, Entertainment Weekly lapse <laughs> because it's Entertainment Monthly now. Did you oh, know yeah, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, they don't put it out every week. And even though it's a magazine that mostly annoyed me, I liked it because, <laughs> you know, they write about pop culture stuff that I probably am not going to delve into and at least gives me a surfacey knowledge of of what it is. Yeah, I, I hate being thrown off by something. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know a lot about Ariana Grande, you know, <laughs> I don't listen to her a lot, yeah. but 
if I got her as a suggestion for an improv scene, I have enough of a knowledge that I could fake, you know, uh, the minimum amount in order to sustain that scene. You know, yeah. I don't want to look like an old fogey who's, <laughs> you know, who either is mocking the person for giving the suggestion in the first place, you know, which is right. a perfectly viable, you know, current important person. <laughs> Just not somebody who, you know, crosses my, you know, perspective very often. But yeah. like I, sh- I should be familiar with that. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I used to recommend, I think it's out of print now, but there was a book called An Incomplete Education, which was a reference book that I recommended to my students because it gave you a surfacy knowledge enough to fake a cocktail party conversation <laughs> about everything. Anything and everything. You know, every subject. Yeah. You know. Oh, that's really cool. Uh, so with your, your love of crossword puzzles, crossword puzzles have definitive, correct answers. Yes. Which seems different than improv do you ever <laughs> do you ever see any relationship between the two things do they relate in any way in your mind it's interesting because on one hand i am i think of myself as this creative person but the way that my mind works i i was very good at math <laughs> In in high school. Yeah, to love those word puzzles the way you do. Yeah, because yes. Steve is traveling at two miles an hour. It just stresses me out immediately because <laughs> I just think failure and embarrassment, you know, is my concern. Yeah. And then in college, uh, I had to take multivariable calculus and then I got a D and then I gave up forever. <laughs> like it got to the point where I couldn't go any further with it. Um, I've always been terrible at drawing, which is why I love my single favorite puzzle in this magazine is these... Uh, paint by numbers puzzles, which are these. Ooh, damn. Which results in a picture. And so you have to figure out what squares to X out and what squares to shade in. And when you and you do it by a combination of logic. Yeah. Um, because it tells you which uh, it doesn't tell you exactly where they are. Just that there's there's one, there's one, there's one, there's one, there's two, there's seven. And you got to figure out where they go in the grid. Okay. So, and you revealed a picture of. A, a person. This appears to be. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a great picture, but <laughs> it appears to be a magician, maybe freeing a bird. It's somebody freeing a bird from a cage, and a dog is just sitting there uh, nonchalantly. And the person either has just a huge mouth or is screaming. <laughs> yes. But my point is, yes. I can't draw. That's something I can't do. I love the idea of being able to uh, fake. Uh, an art expertise through solving this puzzle correctly. Yeah. And that's a little bit how I, I wish it, I, it wasn't, I wish I could say I'm an entirely intuitive improviser. Just like, Hey man, I just trip into the, <laughs> to the zeitgeist and like, who knows what's coming out of my mouth, man. You know, this is wild. Let's yeah. go on this ride, you know? And there are people who are a little more new agey and trippy about how they approach improv. And I do approach it a little more mathematically. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm so like calculating that I'm not like in the moment. You know, I, I try to be emotional and connect as well, but I, I do kind of like go through. And at this point, it's not really a checklist that I'm literally thinking about. It's more of just like, I know my procedure to start a scene, which is like, who am I? Who are you? Who are we to each other? Yeah. Where are we, you know, those kind of basic stuff. What's my point of view? What's my energy? What kind of energy are you? You know, so it's, it's a little bit intuitive, but it's also a little bit of mathematical in how I yeah. do it. Does the mathematical or analytical kick in when you're doing structures that support that a little bit more? Like like a herald. Like you could math out yeah. this scene's got it. this idea has to come back. 
do you, do you do that? Do you allow yourself that? Or do you feel like you want to be more free? I do. I like structured forms. Okay. Um, one of my directors in Chicago, Noah Gregoropoulos said, you know, there's, uh, there's like free verse and there's haiku and those are both perfectly valid forms of uh, expression of poetry, you know? Yeah. So like there's something about having to constrain of just like, it's a sonnet, you know, you get, this has to be a rhyming couplet here, you know? Yeah. So knowing of like, there needs to be a group game here, you know, we need to do a callback here. I, I like that. Yeah. You know? And that's why they say that Harold structure is... Uh, is a teaching tool, you know, uh, I think that's another debate in the improv. Like, <laughs> is it a viable form unto itself or is it, you know, something that helps teach people structure or it helps teach uh, the nature of storytelling of things coming back in three beats, you yeah. know, in recurring patterns. I, I like it both ways, you know, uh, and I also like heralds that are a little more free for me as well and yeah. don't follow that structure. But I think it's nice having a structure to fall back on. And particularly if I'm in a, uh, if I'm playing with people that I play with a lot, I'm not so worried about right. form. But if I'm playing with strangers or, you know, people that I, I don't play with regularly, it's nice having at least some sort of goals or structure that we know we're falling back on to help guide us. Yeah. Yeah. So so that analytical part of your brain that loves crosswords can be present. It is active during an improv show. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I, I can't say what percentage it is, but it's there. It's always there. Have you ever this is just putting a thing in your in your totally in your mouth so you can just tell me no. Have you ever had like an improv scene that didn't that like parts of it the ideas didn't come together and you thought like that's uh, a natic. That's totally a natic. <laughs> <laughs> Those two parts of the scenes didn't come together. <laughs> that that scene wasn't defined so the other part couldn't be defined <laughs> by definition. That's a natic. I haven't literally thought of it as a natic, but now I will for <laughs> till the end of time. Yeah, because that happens all the time. Right. In improv, where you're like, that doesn't make sense either way. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we go with either of our choices, uh, what did we just do? What? The dog is a god and it's dead? What? What's going on? Uh, have you ever made a different life decision because of crossword puzzles? Like in relationships or money or dining or anything? <laughs> I hope not. (laughs) That sounds like the most shallow thing in the world. Um, I think, you know, I've been uh, with my wife for 13 years and we're very tolerant of each other's things that we like that don't cross over. You know, I don't think my puzzles thing crosses over in any way in my relationship. Okay. So I think uh, she gives me a very generous amount of space to to do my thing, which is good. Okay. Okay. So it it really, it really does fill this one specific part of your life. Yeah. In the part of your brain. I mean, I literally will, the, the New York times will go uh, live with the new puzzle, you know, the Monday puzzle, actually the two, you know, the Tuesday puzzle will debut at 7 p.m. on Monday night. Okay. And I, if I'm available, I will do it the second. <laughs> the second. The it is second a... that it goes on. Okay. Online. And that is yeah. known in your relationship. Like if, <laughs> you know, if it's 7 o'clock and you're both just kind of chilling, your wife knows he's going to be gone for three minutes. If we're sitting on the couch watching TV, I will just do it, you know, <laughs> yeah. unless it's a show that I'm really interested yeah. in, which chances are not. You know? <laughs> uh, I will probably just solve the puzzle there and she won't know that I'm doing anything other than, you know, jerking around the Internet. You know? <laughs> like, uh, so I don't think she even knows that I'm solving the puzzle necessarily. OK. You know? It's more obvious when I have the the magazine. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, the these paint by numbers is the first thing I do. Really? With, yes. When I get the magazine and this big one, 
Puzzle number eight in this case, which is just, it's just like a tree with a cabin yeah. in the background. This is probably about a six hour puzzle. Yeah, do, I think to, I to made this. this in like MS Paint on a computer it's in like exactly 1990. What it looks like. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's really cool. But this is another like very Zen thing for me. You know, I, I, will, I will have music on or I will have like a movie that I'm supposed to rewatch, but I don't really need to pay attention to yeah. that much, you know. Uh, and I will just do this puzzle for hours and and just get delve into it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you ever? This is a little bit more broader puzzles than crossword puzzles. Uh, but do you ever believe in the idea of making a boring or tedious kind of task more fun by making it a puzzle by making it a game? Mm. Yes, I do do that. I'm trying to think of an example <laughs> uh, for that, but. I mean, even something like washing the dishes, you know, I'll do the, I'll do all the silverware first, then I'll do the glasses, then I'll do the plates. Like, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure what disorder that is. I mean, maybe there, there's an OCD uh, in there uh, along with that. But yeah, I mean, Mary Poppins told us to do that, right? Right. You know, make, make it a game, right? Snap the jobs a game, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think I do that all the time. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, kind of going along with that, in a broader uh, philosophical way, do you see the world as like every everything is a part of a puzzle and every piece has somewhere to go? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I wish the world was that orderly. <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot messier and, and yeah. nonsensical, and I think you'll drive yourself crazy trying to uh, to organize the world. Yeah, in that way. So, yeah. uh, do you think that your attraction to this this little square world where everything does have a place is that? in any way a response to uh, seeing the world is it is it is random and crazy and some things don't have a place yes uh i i think it's comforting you know to to know that it's an orderly world and there's only one way to do this puzzle yeah uh you'll notice as you go through the magazine there are you know i don't solve every puzzle in games world of puzzles because there are a few that are more like open to interpretation there's some of like here was our best answer what was your best answer you know <laughs> what's your top score you know in yeah. in this puzzle and uh, i don't do those you know? <laughs> i don't want the ones that are open to interpretation i only i want to know that i solved this particular puzzle correctly and got the right word for for this yeah. answer yeah okay uh it do you do you reflect on that? Have you been aware of that since you were a child? Or have you been aware of like, hey, pie and movies are subjective. I want something that's objective, damn it. <laughs> I think it's probably something that I'm more and more aware of now, you know, at the midpoint, hopefully, yeah. of my life. <laughs> I don't think I was conscious of it as a child, no. Okay. Um, have you ever been a crossword puzzle yourself, That, to your knowledge? Have you ever been the answer? No. Yeah. No. Though, having been in comedy long enough, friends of mine pop up in puzzles. Yeah. You know, and it's also been crazy uh, over the last few years on Jeopardy, like Drunk History and Thrilling Adventure Hour and something else that I was in were all Jeopardy answers. Yeah. You know? And it, it was so fun to see like a little community that I was in just go. And I think uh, Improv Olympic was in, oh, a, wow. yeah. was in a Jeopardy answer as well. And Second City has been in there multiple times. So like little worlds that I've been in being a Jeopardy answer is like the, the coolest thing. Yeah. You know? 
But like uh, Tina Fey will show up in crosswords a lot. Jordan Peele shows up a lot now, you know, like P-E-E-L-E of like, that's a word that you're going to need yeah. a lot, you know, and he's the most famous Peele <laughs> by far, you know. <laughs> so these are, you know, people that I've known in my comedy life and now they're now they're trivia answers. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Uh, if you were going to be a question in a crossword puzzle, what would you want the clue to be for people to get Craig Gikowski? Hmm. Actor. Improviser. <laughs> Not tragedian. <laughs> My improv nickname uh, has always been Khaki, you know, or Dr. Khaki sometimes. <laughs> you know? So I feel like that's an answer that might go in that hipper New Yorker puzzle. Okay. Right? <laughs> like, um, uh, so it might be like improv teacher Craig's nickname, Dr. Khaki, you know. <laughs> I am not good at crossword puzzles, but I would love to come across something that's just, who is Dr. Khaki? I would be thrilled. (laughs) We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. Uh, So these are questions I ask everybody across all episodes of Obsessed. Do you think about crossword puzzles every day? Yes, obviously, I need to keep that streak going. I'm going to be heartbroken if I break that streak. So, yes, I do it. Uh, The streak only gets broken when I'm, like, traveling and can't get a signal, you know, if I have, like, a long flight or something. Otherwise, it's every day. And do you box it in as, like, that's when you think about it is when you're doing it and then on with the rest of your life? Or do you get to, to parts of the day where you're, like... Man, I can't wait for a puzzle. Can't wait to puzzle time. Yes, there's times where where I'm jonesing for the puzzle. (laughs) Jonesing for the puzzle. Another good uh, clue. Who's jonesing for the puzzle? Uh, When people walk into your home, can they tell you're obsessed with puzzles? I don't think so, which is good. (laughs) (laughs) Though uh, at my parents' house, they still have a gigantic poster-sized crossword that they got me, I think, in like 1990. It's sitting in the closet of my childhood bedroom. Room, okay. Uh, that I never finished because it was it was too big at the, at the time. <laughs> so that would be a, a telltale way. Yeah, know? yeah. Would you ever want to buy or have puzzle merch like you know bed sheet or shower curtains? The way like a lot of other media, like if you like Star Wars, you can buy any Star Wars thing and surround yourself. The one thing I do. Is my day planner. Oh, damn. Is a Sunday New York Times crossword puzzle day planner. So this is another weekly crossword that I will do. Wow. Uh, And also I'm old school of like, I have a day planner that I fill out with a pen. You know, I know your phone can do all of that now. I don't like to do it that way. I'm right there with you. Yeah. So this is, these are kind of vintage Sunday puzzles. These are from 2016, which is good because it's pre-app, I think. Once I finish this year on the day planner, I'm going to get into uh, since I've owned the app. So there'll be puzzles, unfortunately, that I've solved before. Yeah. That happens sometimes where, you know, you get that deja vu feeling mid puzzle of like, I've solved I've done that before. So the planner on the pages, it looks like you have all the puzzles you can fill in weekly. But then the, the cover is just an illustration or is that a puzzle that is inside the book? I think that's a probably a puzzle that's inside the book. But yeah. It's more of a uh, stylistic choice. Okay, so it, it doesn't like drive you nuts that like I can't fill this puzzle out on the front. No, <laughs> no I'm not that obsessed. Okay, so that that's the one example of merch that I own. But a okay. shower curtain would be too much, I think. Okay, it's just invading a part of your life that it doesn't need to, kind of thing. Yeah, it's interesting that it's um, as an obsession, you know, as a nerdy thing that I do. I think it's I associate it as something that's more private. 
Yeah. It's not something that I really uh, parade. You know, this is the most I've talked about it with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> though, I, though, if I make that pilgrimage to Stamford, yeah. Oh, yeah. I imagine I'm going to discover some like-minded people and we'll pro- I'll probably discover more stuff about, you know, I, I've discovered so much by reading this Rex Parker blog. Yeah. You know, like those industry insider terms and everything and knowing who the cool constructors are <laughs> and who's considered stodgy and, and everything. So... Uh, that's really only over the last couple of years. Okay. Um, so you know, I'm I'm just I think scratching the tip of the iceberg in terms of uh, the the insider knowledge of it. You yeah. Know, this was something I just did privately for many years, and now, and also like any uh, obsession that you can now track on the internet. Like I think my times are good. Like I'm pretty proud of my times yeah. until I see what real experts are turning in. <laughs> and then I realize, well, like I'm nowhere near, uh, Rex Parker's time yeah. or what he claims to be his time. So, uh, th- uh this place you've mentioned a couple times, Stamford, Stamford, Connecticut is okay. where they have the, uh, the national crossword puzzle tournament. And how does that work? Are you like on a stage quietly filling out a paper or there are, I don't know how many, uh, there's a movie called Wordplay, which uh, is kind of like the the King of Kong or uh, what was the one where they covered the spelling bee? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't remember that, that, that was name. A yeah. Spellbound was that okay. movie. So it's similar to that where they cover one year of the Crossword Puzzle Tournament. They cover the... The, the top challengers, and you get to know each of them a little bit. And then so it's covered like a sports movie. Okay. Almost. And so you have, uh, I think they write seven or eight new puzzles with different constructors, and everybody gets the puzzle at the same time. So it's really like pencils up, okay turn over your puzzle, and then the clock begins. And so you're scored on time and accuracy. Okay. So you've got to fill out the puzzle correctly. So there's uh, deductions for getting squares wrong. Uh, but really you're working off of time. So the finalists end up being the people who have the fastest times. But from what I understand, there's different, uh, categories. So you could be, if you've never done it before, you'd be in the rookie category. Okay. There's also like age ranges. Um, so I think, you know, 80 somethings are competing against 80 somethings for their category and and vice versa, you know. And how, how seriously are you considering this? Uh, I, I think it's coming up. I think they have it in the spring. I'm not gonna be able to do it this year. Yeah. Um, maybe this podcast is giving me the impetus to do it in 2021. Yeah. I am curious to see, I think I would be middle of the pack. Okay. Honestly, like I'm, I'm not going to be a national challenger. I think also like, uh, here's a basketball thing. Like I'm pretty good at shooting baskets when I'm just standing there by myself. <laughs> Suddenly there's a guy guarding me, running at me, trying to block my shot. You know, I'm not so good, you know? Yeah. So, uh, am I going to be good under the pressure of knowing there's a room full of people, uh, all trying to solve the same puzzle? You know, do you start panicking when you start seeing people turning it in? Yeah. <laughs> already. It's like, wait, he's done How already. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Would you ever cosplay is a word cross puzzle? <laughs> uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Good. I've been to several cons, never cosplayed <laughs> once. Uh, do you have an aversion in general to cosplay itself, or is it more like the like you're saying the word cross is a, a private, more private thing? I don't. Uh, I don't do Halloween costumes. I don't do cosplay. It's just not who I am. Okay. I don't really have. Uh, I don't. I don't have a disdain for it. It's just not me. Got it. Uh, I I love going to cons and seeing what other people are are wearing. I think it's really cool, and I. Again, like that's why, even though I'm very into music and movies, uh, I'm fairly well versed in TV. Like none of my 
pop culture things go that deep yeah. where I, I feel like I would need to shout out to the world of like, this is my thing. This is me. <laughs> yeah. You know, my wife is like that with Shit's Creek. You know, like that's her okay. uh, obsession beyond anything. Yeah. You know? Is it in her Twitter profile? Uh, like is one of the things about her? Of Shit, Shit's Creek fan? <laughs> yeah. She just got a Catherine O'Hara sweatshirt today in oh, the mail. Damn. So she's, even though it's 80 degrees today in LA, she's wearing that sweatshirt proudly. So. That's awesome. <laughs> but uh, I just don't have anything like that where I would I need to to wear it or uh, announce it to the world. Okay. That makes that makes a ton of sense. Uh, would you have, and this might go in the same category, Category. Would you have a puzzle-themed birthday party? <laughs> uh, it's unlikely, but I wouldn't put it past me. Okay. <laughs> so I understand it being a private thing, and, a, and it's an activity. You don't need T-shirts to, to yeah. scream out to the world. But do you like sharing it with people? Like, I don't you... think I do. Okay. No. And even like you mentioned, jigsaw puzzles. Um, I think I'd rather work on a jigsaw puzzle by myself. You know, uh, I've built one with my wife. It's fine. But when you get into like maybe 10 people trying to put a jigsaw puzzle together, it's not that fun for me. (laughs) You mentioned escape rooms. Like escape rooms in theory like would be right up my alley. But there is something about and it depends on the tone of it, too. Yeah. Um, I've definitely, you know, I've only done a couple, but uh, they were stressful, you know, and and they were trying to be more like horror theme like almost like placing you in the middle of the movie yeah and people are screaming and i shut down in the when, when there's too many people <laughs> screaming over each other like i can't function so even me with a good head for for puzzles and noticing little details which you think would be good for an escape rooms i was not in my element and i couldn't communicate yeah it was it was more frustrating than fun for me yeah i understand yeah i've only done one and i expected it to be even more stressful than it was yeah. but other other people really kind of took up that charge of like i'm gonna be the leader i'm like great i'll yes. stare at, at this <laughs> corner and that will be well uh really uh, good for me i the particular one that that i did you could just look to the sky and yell help and then a clue would pop up on a on a television screen and i was just like i want that for life yes yeah <laughs> help i like that <laughs> uh would you ever stop being friends with someone who constantly complained about puzzles <laughs> no no it's fine. Uh, everybody's got their own things. Yeah. 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 I, I, I would enjoy bantering with them about it a little bit, you know, um, getting under under their skin about it. It, it wouldn't annoy me. Like, I, I understand that it's not for everyone. And there's valid things to complain about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. If a presidential candidate that you already supported started talking a lot about crossword puzzles, would that increase or decrease your support of that politician? Oh, hell Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie, it's time. (laughs) I do want to hear Bernie yell Natick for sure. (laughs) Natick! It's a Natick! But again, for for you, it's a a private thing. But I guess, do you see it as a sign of having a good analytical mind, being a thoughtful or intelligent person, if you learned that uh, somebody you already supported was like, no, I do this every day and my times are, you know... 90 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's weird because obviously there's a lot of ways of showing intelligence, you know, and I, I think I was a lot snottier about it when I was young, you know, if like people weren't good at trivia or good at games and, and stuff like that, of like everybody processes things differently and, you know, uh, I, there's all types of different intelligence. But yes, I think subconsciously when I hear that somebody's into crosswords, I'm like, hey, yeah, you're my, <laughs> you're my kind of person, you know, and I like people who are, who are interested in words and in general. Yeah. And, 
Uh, I, I like grammar and vocabulary and all that stuff, but we haven't really talked about that angle of it as, as yeah. well. Of just like knowing synonyms for things and, you know, more pithier ways of expressing yourself. Like that's tied into it as well. It's not all just trivial information. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's increasing all of these sort of, uh, quivers in your, your arrows in your vocabulary yeah. quiver. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. And they say it's a way to stave off. Alzheimer's and dementia as well. Yeah, I, I of keeping the mind activated. Yeah, and do you do you actually feel that ever? Like, would uh, doing a crossword puzzle be like a good improv warm up because it just gets your mind going and looking for different answers? Yeah, the odd thing now because they put the puzzle on at night. You know, it's almost more of a cool down thing for me. Sometimes okay. it's the last thing I do as I fall asleep. Oh wow! You know. So uh, sometimes I'm better around 1130. If I haven't done the crossword yet, that's that'll be the last thing I do. Uh, if I'm really tired, sometimes I'll fall asleep mid, <laughs> mid puzzle solve, <laughs> you know. But uh, in those days where I did get the paper, it would be the first thing I would do every day. And it was almost uh, I don't drink coffee, but it, it was almost the, <laughs> the equivalent of having your morning coffee of like this is my thing. It's gradually waking me up for the day and getting my uh, mind activated and getting me sensory yeah uh involved yeah cool cool uh this is the last how obsessed are you question if a bear uh grabbed your crossword puzzle a physical one Mm -hmm. before you completed it would you try to get it back from the bear is this a kodiak bear or (laughs) it can be whatever size bear you decide (laughs) i was just trying to think of a word that would be a good crossword puzzle (laughs) kodiak Uh, is very good kodiak is very good um no, I, uh, I'm, I would, I would not challenge the bear. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, by the way, that pandas are now officially uh, considered bears? Okay, were they not before? Well, this was one of those factual things that I thought I had learned at some point. You know, uh, and I would always tell people, like, whenever somebody considered a panda a bear, like, you know, actually, a panda is not a bear. It's more closely related to the raccoon. <laughs> And that is true of the red panda, but the giant panda, uh, apparently, they have more biological information uh, about it. Okay. Like its DNA has been classified, and a panda <laughs> is considered a bear. And uh, and that's been true for about 30 years, and I've only learned that this year. <laughs> I assume you learned it doing a crossword puzzle. Yes, I did. <laughs> or drunk history. One of the two, right? <laughs> two good ways to learn things. Uh, I ask everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession, like maybe emotionally how it makes you feel or a thing you a noise you actually make during crossword puzzles. Mm-hmm. So uh, what would your noise be? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, ooh. <laughs> uh, that that was really interesting because your noises of discovery weren't aha. They were more, ooh, ooh. this is a possibility. Yes. So you make that noise when you're like, ooh, I think I got it. Yeah. Not, I know I got it. Yes. Wow. That's really cool. There's also times like in the middle of a puzzle where you're sure you have something. And that's another thing I like. Sometimes you'll need to wipe out a word entirely and go back from, from scratch, particularly on those harder puzzles. Yeah. Where you'll, you'll make mistakes and then you, you learn from your mistakes as you're doing it. You know? And if you're on the wavelength of, uh, of that constructor or not, you, know, it, uh, you might scratch out a word a bunch of times. Yes. You know? <laughs> uh, and that could be part of the fun of the, the aha moment. Yeah. Or you could be totally annoyed of like, what? That's the word? You know. <laughs> I spent all this time. Yeah. It's Sometimes just it's infuriating. Yeah. 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 Do you get cocky? In, yeah. And think like, I know, I know, I know this constructor. Yeah. I know it's Kodiak. <laughs> Damn it. 
<laughs> Swung big for Kodiak. <laughs> uh, I ask everyone to give a rating to their obsession. So on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest, where would you put this obsession? It's a 10 for me. <laughs> it's a 10. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an inextricable part of my daily life. Yeah. I got to solve a crossword a day. Yeah, this is one of the many reasons I love doing this podcast is because people uh, approach obsessions really differently Every from how they interact with their life, from how they feel about them, whether it's a thing to be proud of or ashamed of, yeah. uh, and how it fits in. And like you, this is so well-defined where it's, yeah, in many ways it is absolutely a 10. Yeah. But you still like have a sense of humor about it. You still joke about it. You answered many questions of like, I hope not. <laughs> uh, but also like, and also like, it's so defined of like, it won't cross into my life this way, period. Yes. But it will cross into my life every effing day in this exact way. Yeah. I mean, it, is, it has its space. It's almost like the, the chores that I do. It's just a part <laughs> of my daily life, you know. Uh, and it has its own little corner yeah. that where it's very important, and then there's other times where it's completely out of my mind. Yeah, know? yeah. It's, it's a good obsession. Nice big 10. So we're going to move on to the uh, plug-in section of the podcast. Can you tell people where to find you on social media and any other stuff that you want to plug? Sure. Uh, at Kikowski on Twitter for just me. Uh, <laughs> at Craigslist PCAST for the Craigslist podcast. This is where I make my wife, Carla, watch my 100 favorite movies. Wow. So I do have a list of my 100 <laughs> favorite movies. We're almost done. We just put out uh, number two, which was The Godfather. Wow. Uh, and we had Kevin Pollack as our guest for that. Um, so the my number one movie will be uh, revealed in only a couple of weeks. Oh, wow. Uh, and then... Uh, also on Twitter, Orange Tux Improv for Orange Tuxedo, which is my improv duo with Carla as well for uh, either local shows around L.A. or when we tour around the world. Cool, cool. And a- anything else uh, coming up? Uh... I got a commercial running right now, played during the Super Bowl for Little Caesars. <laughs> oh, so, yes. Yeah, that was kind of fun. Uh, so that that's still running. So if you want to see me crying under a desk holding a bread pillow... Uh, <laughs> Little Little Caesars, <laughs> and then uh, Drunk History. We're about to start shooting season seven. Uh, it won't come out probably until this fall. Okay. Um, also, I'm a voice actor on Archibald's Next Big Thing, which is a, uh, a cartoon for kids that Tony Hale uh, created. They already put out one season on Netflix last year, and then they're about to release a bunch more episodes in April, uh, of which I'm on a few of those. So I think that's uh, particularly if you've got kids in like the eight to twelve. Uh, range. It, it's a great show and it's really cute. Okay, well, yeah, that covers the gamut. You got uh, <laughs> podcasts, Little Caesars, yeah. <laughs> alcohol. What else could you want? Yeah. You got it all. Uh, here's some quick plugs for this show and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram as at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook as at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That is called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com and you can support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. For info on that, go to patreon.com slash josephscrimshaw. All right, so here are just the final weird questions. If you could shoot one of these two things out of your hand, which would you choose? Bees or breakfast cereal? (laughs) I feel like some breakfast cereals would hurt more, you know? (laughs) Knowing what Captain Crunch does to the roof of your mouth, you know? What would it it do as a projectile? So, yeah, yeah, breakfast cereal. Yeah, Captain Crunch at speed, you're thinking, is a more reliable weapon than bees. Okay, good, good. Bees are just going to fly off. (laughs) Yeah, bees are just going to be like, we've got stuff to do. Where's the queen? Yeah, let's go. Uh, if you could make the whole world think one thought at the same time, what thought might you project? (laughs) 
Dr. Khaki <laughs> is our master. <laughs> that would be great for the few people who are like, Dr. Khaki, I know exactly who that is. And <laughs> I saw that puzzle the other day. <laughs> that Patrick Berry. Yeah. It's on Jeopardy too, right? Yeah. Uh, the final question for everyone on the podcast is what is happiness? <laughs> oh, jeez. I know. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, there, there's many expressions of it, uh, but uh, today, uh, we're preparing for this podcast by <laughs> listening to other episodes of Obsessed with Joseph Scrimshaw, uh, just having my uh, my uh, my dog in my lap, yeah, <laughs> doing that was very nice. <laughs> oh, you know, uh, I, I love my dogs, I love my wife, and uh, we have a, a nice, happy life together. So, yeah. For, for me, it's my wife and my dogs. <laughs> okay, nice, straightforward answer. You said at the beginning of the podcast, when we are talking about acting and comedy, that uh, in, in the way you get cast in things, that you, you do give off in, in a really positive energy, that you are a, a happy and friendly person. Is that true, or is that energy that you give off? Because I've known other, the reason I ask is I've known other people in life who do kind of project, I'm happy, and then are sometimes uh, frustrated that people assume happiness. Hmm. Because that's their outward energy. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a deep effing question. I, mean, <laughs> I thought I'd just throw that in real quick no, at the end. Yeah, we'll just toss this one off. <laughs> um, I think um, I have, you know, depressive moments like most people do. I think things like the crossword, uh, I, I'm somebody who needs a certain amount of privacy and alone time over the course of my day. Okay. Um, and... I, I like that alone time and I, I need it. And then I'm able to be more energized by being around other people. Um, sometimes I shut down when there's too much stimuli yeah. uh, around me and when there's too many people. And particularly in the comedy world sometimes, uh, even, you know, I could be in a room of 10 comedy people that I love, but if the bits are flying too fast and furious, <laughs> if, like, if there's a feeling of, if there's an alpha feeling sometimes of just trying to outdo each other, yeah. like I will retreat into the corner uh, in those kind of situations. I don't rise to the occasion <laughs> uh, in, in those moments. So, you know, uh, an ideal dinner for me is like three or four friends, yeah. you know, as opposed to 10 or, or more people. You know, I, I like once the conversation begins to break down, you know, that that's not as much fun for me. So uh, I generally, yes, I am. A, I am a happy and, and positive person. Uh, but it has to be under the right circumstances <laughs> and you need to give me my alone time. <laughs> I think that is a great and honest answer because I think that's what uh, the people, other people in my life I've known who, who are in public, very energized and friendly, get can get frustrated by thinking like, I imagine you just brushing your teeth and smiling and like, no, I'm a human being. Yeah. I have specific needs and moments and, you know, I make an effort to be a positive presence when I'm around other people. Yeah. And it's just, I think, a, a lovely thing to do. Uh, so the, the games, uh, magazine, the games world of puzzles, I, do I get to keep this? Yeah, that's your copy. Please report back when you have finished all the puzzles. <laughs> oh God. Okay. You know? Well, uh, try, try some things, you know, it, it's similar to a, uh, New York times over the course of the week. It generally gets harder as you work through the magazine. Okay. Some of the, some of the easier stuff is, uh, is earlier on, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it'll just give you a sense of, uh, some of the different Puzzles avail, you know, some are, are more word puzzles, some are, are straight up traditional crosswords. 
but there's a, uh, some are more trivial. Like there's a, there's a nice wide variety of stuff in there. And then the middle section is they usually do some reporting on video games or board games, you know, or conventions and, and stuff like that. So there's usually a couple articles in there as well. Okay, cool. I just flipped to a page where one of the answers is Nancy Sinatra. So I feel motivated <laughs> to check this out yeah. and see what it's like. Thank you so much for taking the time to do the podcast. That was so much fun. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. That is our podcast. You've been listening to Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest. Rate five stars if you're impressed. Eight-letter word for really into something. Uh, Obsessed.